your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, also Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com, joined as always by Zach Harper, the NBA featured columnist for FanRagSports.com, and Ben Anderson. Uh, Ben is the KSL.com contributor and also has many other jobs of responsibilities, duties, father of two. Yeah. Wonderful man. All those things. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the the jazz season is over. We've got an NBA game happening in front of us right now. Uh, the Boston Celtics currently up on the Washington Wizards, sixty four to forty nine. But for jazz fans, uh, the season came to an end. Uh, you know, earlier this week, and so we had the locker room cleanout yesterday. And we we want to talk a lot about what we learned there, kind of what we heard from the from the players at the end of the year. And, you know, how that affects their big off-season decisions that we'll be talking about for the next couple of months as well. So, um, excited to talk about that. We've got plenty of quotes and notes and all sorts of stuff to talk to you about. I got some problems with stuff that was said. Uh, th- that they said? Yes. Okay. I don't believe all of them. I, yeah, th- th- there's a lot of lying going around. And I don't like being lied to. We're, we'll call them out. We're not, we're not afraid to do that on this show. Um, as always, we want to hear from you guys on this program. So if you could tweet us at Andy B. Larson is my handle at talk hoops. All one word is Zach's and at Ben K fan is Ben's. Uh, or you can even call us if you'd want eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. All right. Uh, do you want to get into these quotes though? I would love to Let's because, do because they're liars. They're liars. <laughs> Sounds good. I think I'm just going to go hardcore, um, you know, devil's advocate here and claim that every single quote we hear is a lie. No, not every single one. Every single one. Wow. Why would they tell the truth? Before, if I was a player, I would never tell the truth. But then if it's always a lie, that's kind of like always telling the truth. I get why the Jazz do it the way they do it now, their locker room clean out. In the past, it was honestly in the locker room. Right. And you would go right. out and you would <laughs> stick a microphone in someone's face. And I think that's more conducive to telling the truth than being put up on a, a stage, which is what they have now at the Zions Bank Basketball Center, which it, it's just a little more official. And I think that puts right. you more into cliche mode versus just kind of this casual, hey, I really am cleaning out my locker. Yeah. I will tell you whatever I feel. And I think that's actually on purpose by the Jazz. I mean, they don't, you no one wants the truth. Right. You don't want anyone yeah. telling the truth. So I think it was a smart thing with the Jazz. Oh, but it's a, it, yeah, it's the right it's way to go. It's not necessarily conducive to great They're, conversation for the fans. So we'll play factor fiction a little bit with these quotes. Okay. They're all fiction. <laughs> all, <laughs> uh, all right, let's play this first one from Gordon Hayward. Lie or not lie? It's hard to think about right now um, just because of um, the season that we've had and, and everything that we've gone through. I mean, it still... Uh, Today it still feels like you know you're you're looking looking towards the next game, looking towards the next opponent. Um, uh, that that's obviously over, um, but that's you know it's it's hard to just shut that off right away um, and think about what what will happen next. Uh, Mark and I talked about during the year, you know, not focusing on any of that until after the season was done. Um, so I, I, I literally haven't thought about it at all, um, except for any time that, that somebody would have brought, brought it up. I was so focused on, on us as a team and us with the Jazz. Um, so I think uh definitely have some time to think about it here in the next couple of weeks and reflect on, on 
on what's been what's been going on. Um, but it's not something I honestly haven't thought about it. So he couldn't even call it by name. He used its and that's yeah. the whole time. Can you set up we, what we he's talking about, about there yeah, for we, people? We who asked don't know? about his free agency, basically. You okay. know, what are you going to do this summer? What are you going to be thinking about? What? Yeah. What? What's your frame of mind going into I this? I believed him up until a point because I do think like. I doubt he's thought about it in the last two days, right? Like, I think... <laughs> right. But, like, that's essentially what, it, like, you know, he said, I've been focused on the Jazz. Like, I believe that. I think he's his mind is 100% on either the Jazz playing the Warriors or his family. 100%. Like, 100%. Like, I think I think they have a focus that we can't really relate to. Okay. Um, I do truly believe that. But then when he gets to the point where he's like, I haven't thought about it at all at any point this year, that I don't believe. Yeah. Because I... Because... I think there's even a point later on where he, where he or Joe Ingles is like, oh, yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing is his, t- his teammates kind of did him dirty a little bit right. and call him out on the lies. But George Hill, both, George Hill says he's my little brother, and, yeah, we've talked about it. Right. And Joe Ingles is like, yeah, we've talked about it. We don't talk about it. We don't text about it every morning, but yeah. we've talked about it. Like, right. you, uh, I mean, I, I get why Gordon Hayward wants to be as boring as possible on that quote. But – yeah. It's not accurate. It's there's, there's also some history with this. not factual. Remember last time he was in a contract year, he was really bad. He just had a horrible year, and that's why a lot of Jazz fans were saying, like, is he worth this right. 56 or whatever, $63 million deal that he signed when he signed the four-year deal last? That was the question. Because he had been so bad that season that fans were wondering. I feel like you're overrating how bad he was that season. I, like, his that numbers, was his best season. It, it, okay, to that scoring-wise, yeah, because his numbers have climbed every year, but his shooting percentages were down, I think, across the board. I think he was... I want to say he was barely a 30% three-point shooter that year. It must have been four years ago now. Was this the first year after okay. Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap? Or was it the, I think last, it might have been. Or I, the last year with them? So I can't the Jazz remember. could have extended him right. a year before his contract expired. But they said, you know what? You're going to be a restricted free agent. Oh, we shot 30% from three. Yeah, he was bad. Ooh. He really was bad. Yeah. And that's why Jazz fans are saying, like, a max contract for this guy? I get it. But there's going to be other names out there. And we just let Paul Millsap walk. And we just let Marvin Williams walk. And we just we let good players go. By far the lowest true shooting percentage of his career. So why is Gordon Hayward this okay. max player? He was not good that year. He was, he was g- g- he's a top 100 player. Right. He wasn't a top 30 player. Okay. And Agreed. you were paying him max money. Right. And that was kind of the question is, do you pay guys at that point before the salary cap had spiked to $100 million, do you pay a guy like Gordon Hayward that much money? Obviously, now is a great deal. Right. Smart of the Jazz to do it. They should have uh, honored it earlier. They would have gotten a discount had they paid him the year before. But it really affected him. That contract hanging over his head made him really bad that year. At least that was the suspicion. That's See, I not... don't buy that. I think that was just like it was the first time he was the number one player on a team. Right? Maybe like, that's possible. He instead he did of having s- Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap, he didn't have those guys all of a sudden, and all of a sudden his scoring load had to go up. Of course, his efficiency went I down. I feel like I remember him saying after that season that it had gotten to him because there was so much talk about him not getting his contract and so much talk about him having to go out and find that max deal. I feel like I remember him saying that that was on his mind, and I don't. I didn't see that this year on the floor. And I think that's the type of growth you're looking for. So maybe in that sense, it didn't affect him the way he perceives what we're asking or what somebody may be asking. It didn't affect his play on the floor the way it did the last time around. I also, I do kind of believe the idea that he's not going to be that invested in it until his agent comes to him with like, this is what, these are the teams that, you know, that we need to consider. Like, this is, this is the lay of the land. Now let's go over it. Like, I'm sure he's talked about with Robin. I'm sure he's talked about, I mean, we know he's talked about with teammates because that's what they've said. Um, but to give it honest consideration probably hasn't happened yet because I do yeah. think you just have a hyper focus. And was, right. that, was that question about opting out or was that question about thinking about his full contract? 
Uh, I think it was I thinking about f- what you're going to be doing this summer. Right. So kind of both do you opt out and where do you go if it, you do? Because there's a reason for him to opt in if he decides he wants to, and that's if he makes an all-NBA team, he opts in, takes the contract, and gets that super max extension. Right. I feel bad because I was going to ask, do you think you can be an all-NBA player? And then the interview got cut off. Like I, right. I should have asked that question earlier. But anyway. Um, He's got about a 50-50 chance, I'd say, yeah, to make I, all-NBA yeah, I mean, it, It's crowded, but it also depends on where Anthony Davis ends up, like whether they consider him yep. a center or a forward, and I don't know how that was how that voting went. Yeah, if he's a forward, I don't think he has any chance. Right, uh, and I I don't think he has much of a chance because I, I I don't think he gets votes over Jimmy Butler, or at least many votes, a majority of votes. Maybe I mean I think um, I th- I think he's got a great chance of getting it over Jimmy and over Paul George, yep. but you still have what Kawhi, LeBron, KD, Draymond, uh, Giannis, Draymond, yeah. Giannis. Um, right. I'm sure. Somebody I just missed. No, it's you didn't obvious. miss anyone. I've I've looked at this. You yeah. you named the five guys. It's whether or not he can get beat it over Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. Paul George. I'm sure, Jay Crowder's on there, <laughs> and Jay Crowder's mine. He'll know that by uh, the NBA teams will learn that June twenty fifth is is the award show, and the teams learn it before because they understand right. that the draft is on the twenty third. I think, and they're going to right. draft based on what they think they're going to be able to do financially, and that's right. why they had this big argument about, hey, we got to know. We can't wait for yeah. this award show because we got to draft a small forward to replace Gordon Hayward right. if he's not going to make an all-NBA team and choose to decide What's going to be else. great is when all of those awards leak three days before yeah. the, right. uh, yeah. the, the I mean, award show happens. Right. That's the thing is we'll all know, but I don't know. It, it, there's still something about the pomp and circumstance of I'm out a on meaningless it. award show. Way out. Award show? Fiction. Yeah, I'm That's with you. That's what I say. I'm with you. Well, it's it's definitely fact. They're they're going to be presenting fiction, facts there, but they got like dunk of the year. That's not an award. Yeah, get out of here. I like it. Get out of here, Drake. I don't want you to host this. I don't want Drake to host it, but you know. So Gordon's anyway. like fifty percent lie there. He's not a hundred percent lie. Yeah, like, he's no better than like forty percent lie. Okay. Like that's the least amount of lie that's okay. there. Yeah, right? It's, it's a lot of a lie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, actually, the most interesting quotes about Gordon Hayward's free agency came from his teammates, like we talked about. Um, here's one we asked George Hill about what he thought about it. Like my little brother now, so we had plenty of talks of what's going on. And uh, like he said, he, he doesn't know. You know, his, his heart is here in, in Utah. This is where he's been his whole career. So uh, evidently, you know, I'm sure Utah has the, the first, you know, hammer for him. So... Um, that's that's definitely going to weigh on me. So um, my thing is, you know, staying together, building on what we've, you know, done this year, if possible, uh, to make it all work for for everybody. And um, hopefully we can do that. But uh, definitely, so you know, I, I would definitely be kind of talking to him the majority of the summer, figuring out what he's thinking and what he's doing, and and trying to figure it out. All right. So George Hill saying his heart is in Utah. It's where he's been his whole career. Uh, he's like my little brother, and we've had plenty of talks about what's going on. That's A, they've talked about it. Right. B, like my little brother. So, hot take, question. Mm-hmm. Do the Jazz want a liar like Gordon Hayward in the future of their team? <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Very good. <laughs> yes, they do. Here's, a, here's okay, if we're, if we're going full conspiracy theory, here's the theory on this. George Hill, not as attractive as a, of a free agent as Gordon Hayward. Um. Sure. Right. Right. I mean, certainly. Right. Not thirty-one. Yeah. Injured, etc. Not. I mean, just but not as good. If George Hill ties himself to Gordon Hayward and says, "Look, he's like my little brother. If you want to sign little brother, you may want to sign older brother here for I mean, four years, ninety million dollars." Yeah. Then that was that. Was, those were some good quotes from George. Absolutely, Hill. and I think since they acquired him, it's kind of seemed like 
this is a package deal, right? Mm-hmm. Like the like whether it's the Indiana tie or whatever, for this team to be great, they need those guys. And they, I mean, Gordon obviously makes them great. George Hill took them to another level this year, even in limited games. Um, they like those two on the same team puts the Jazz in that. Uh, I'm not getting ahead of myself here. Like 55 to 60 wins. Yeah. In you know, in a healthy season. All right, do are you worried about how much money George Hill wants? Right, because he turned down the three-year, eighty-five million-dollar extension. I don't think it. I don't think that's an issue for the Jazz. I re- okay. like. I think there will be a point where they're like, "Ooh, I don't want to play, pay that luxury yeah. tax." But as of right, like I think you sign now and you figure it out later. I think that's yep. the way the NBA goes at this point. Where the Raptors maybe want to blow it up. I bet they re-sign everyone that they can, mm-hmm. and then you know. Sell pieces off here and there. Because if you let a guy go in free agency, you get nothing for exactly. it. Exactly. George Hill's also a lot less desirable now to other teams around the NBA, with the exception of San Antonio, who's going to go after other guys first before right. George Hill because of the injuries. The injuries actually may end up helping the Jazz this year with George Hill because his either his money's going to come down or the length of his contract is going to come down and the Jazz will, will negotiate accordingly. I, I thought towards the end of the season the Jazz really didn't have much of a chance to, to bring George Hill back. I just kind of thought that He's going to be a goner. He's going to go sign with San Antonio or whoever. Now with the injuries, he wasn't great in the playoffs and obviously missed the last couple of games of the Warriors series. I think the Jazz opportunity to bring him back got a lot better because he's got to be more responsible with how right. he signs a contract too. I mean, also with him, how how much he wants that fourth year may dry up some of the market for him. Yeah, you know, I don't. I mean, committing he's thirty one, right? You know, committing four years to that guy at the kind of money you're going to have to commit, maybe teams balk at that. Wild speculation. That's how the Jazz got Joe Johnson. They gave him that second year of ten million dollars, and other teams were kind of saying, "Hey, let's not. We're not going to do two twenty. What if we do one twelve? He was so bad in the playoffs. Yeah, for Miami, he was horrible. Mm -hmm. And and you know maybe that maybe that does add to you know the affordability. Yep. Yeah, and you know that was a good contract for the Jazz. Obviously, won won them a playoff series, which you'll you'll take. Um, I I also wanted to play Joe Ingles' quote on it. Um, again, adding to <laughs> our idea that maybe Gordon Hayward wasn't being 100% truthful. I mean, obviously everyone knows I'm pretty close with, with Gordon and, and we've generally spoken about it. It's not like we, we wake up every morning and start texting about it. Um, but it, it comes up every now and then and I mean, it gets brought up from, from media more than anything, obviously. So... Um, I mean, everyone, uh, I think all the guys that are, that are free this year would, would, would much rather stay. There was something that Gordon said in the previous quote that kind of just triggered here for me, where he said, I've don't, I don't really think about it unless someone brings it up. He didn't say media. He just said someone. Yeah. yeah. Joe Ingles. Yeah. Joe Ingles might be going, well, Joe hey. Ingles is about to get a payday, too. Right. So he's licking his chops. Yeah, like, exactly. How much you think we can get yeah. to him? <laughs> they, yeah. These guys have been, all three right. of them, hanging out like, can we all get Maxes? Right. Will they, can Go- we Gordon, give Joe can we, Ingles a Max? Yeah. Gordon George, do you think we can combine for $65 million in salary next year? I mean, Joe Ingles' Max is 25. Ooh. We can- <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I don't think Joe Ingles is getting a max deal. No, and he's restricted, which will scare some teams off. Yeah, yeah. Except for Portland. Well, and especially given they, they just love Max. They love the players. Just like, Max try, it. try to pay this guy. You're going to regret it. <laughs> especially given uh, what Joe Ingles said about wanting to stay in Utah, which we'll play next. Uh, it's tying up your your salary cap money for three days in yeah. in this market it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And the Jazz want him back too. Um, but anyway, so Gordon, again, uh, from my point of view, after you know, after the fans chant his name coming off the off the court in whatever that was Monday, 
uh, and he kind of gives he kind of gives a peace sign going out. He yeah. says, you know, I grew up here in in Utah, um, and these fans have been great to me this whole time. It kind of sounds to me like a little bit of a breakup, kind of. Well, kinda I I message. thought that was interesting too of his comments after the game and. He like he talked about like we this is a good you know building experience for us mm-hmm. as a group and all this stuff and then the next day maybe the emotions aren't there the emotions of the competition right. aren't there as much and then it becomes more business like and you know detached or whatever because even if he comes back he doesn't know that he's coming back right now right like how right. I mean, like you would be foolish if you would if you had made up your mind and you're Gordon Hayward at this point like you you absolutely go through the free agency tour. You see everyone's pitch, you see everyone's plan, and you decide what's best for you. So it makes a lot of sense that he would lie to us. Yeah, completely agreed. Yeah. Um, I, I was beca- more, I became more optimistic because of George Hills and Joe Ingles comments sure. saying that he thinks his heart is here in Utah. I think all of the guys who are free this year would much rather stay. Um, those sorts of things are, are good news from, from guys who are so close to Gordon. And we still have a draft to get through. Right. And the draft is the craziest night in the NBA other than July 1st. I mean, yeah. the draft is the craziest day as far as player movement goes, even crazier than the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows what Miami does or what Boston does or where they end up drafting, you know, and, and we should talk about that coming up before the end of the hour. Like, what's the best, because the draft lottery is coming up on Tuesday, what's the best order for the Jazz to bring back the players they want to bring back, which obviously starts with Gordon Hayward. Like, who ends up drafting one, two, and three that'll best do that, and we should do that before the end of the hour. Right. Yeah, and we, and we will. I, I also wanted to say, uh, I, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that can happen for the Jazz to make trades during that draft Absolutely. period. Absolutely. Right? You know, you yeah. look at, you've got two first-round picks, two second-round picks. You've got a, a bunch of assets and, and salary you can spend. You've got cap space that last until June 30th. Right. You know, you've got kind of all these pieces that allow you to make some moves yeah. that you may want to do before July 1st so you can say, "Hey Gordon, we got a another piece of the puzzle to help you sure. get, you know, advance this team past 51 wins and get you to the high 50s, get you to the third round, you know, whatever it is right. that makes you better than what you were that, this year." Exactly. So, yeah, Gordon Hayward hasn't decided what is he what he's going to do. He did say he doesn't want it to last very long. He's not going to drag this process out. So, I'm betting yeah. by the 5th. He's probably met with a bunch of teams, and sure. maybe he even holds court. You know, maybe he goes somewhere in California or whatever and says, "Come, come find me." Yeah, like we'll, my agent will meet with everybody, but we'll just kind of do it as a round table and we'll right. get it done. Um, but, did it seem weird that he was smiling the whole time? Yeah, he was very it, smiley. I couldn't tell if it was like, "Oh man, I can't believe I got to get these questions right now," or if it was like, "I have a secret." <laughs> I have a secret that none of you. But know. what's the secret <laughs> other than he's lying about that he's thought about it? Maybe the secret is. I don't know where I'm going yet. I just know it's not here. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right. Or the opposite. Maybe or I'm, right. I'm going to sign a $150 million deal and then the Jazz are the only team that can do that. Or maybe I'll sign a $200 million deal if I can get if I can opt in and get the Supermax. Right. And maybe that's what he knows. Yeah. I, and, you know, if, if maybe he somehow knows all NBA voting already. Sure. I mean, Yeah, maybe he just found out. I don't know. And if then, you know, if he's all NBA, I think he's staying in Utah. Do you guys agree? Yeah. I think you, I don't think you pass up that money. It's hard to do. what what okay so Andy you you did the numbers yeah if he gets the four year deal from another NBA team he can sign what 130 million yeah. roughly it's 132 if, I believe and if he signs with the Jazz with the fifth year that they can offer today already and that's a player option so it's really a good contract right. for Gordon still there's a potential another it's 100, what, 180 million at that point so it would be million extra dollars. 40 yeah. million dollars at okay. the end of the right. deal you say you say no to 40 million dollars right. these guys know how fickle the sport is and how fickle the league yeah. is. Having that option for $40 million, even though guys do weird things and turn it down, see Rudy Gay this offseason, he's going to turn down his $20 bucks. 
Like guys do it. Guys right. do, but but having that option would be nice for Gordon. Well, also there is a status thing, and I think that matters with Gordon. Like Gordon hasn't been taken all that seriously as a star player in yeah. this league, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a status with he got a five-year, two hundred million dollar contract. Right. That is a two hundred million dollar player. There aren't any of those really right now. There are about to be a bunch of them, right? right. But he's going to be one of the first two hundred million dollar contracts in uh, NBA Mike history. Conley, upper echelon, right? Guy. Exactly. But yeah. that's what it like, and that status matters to players. Yeah. It really does. Absolutely. And that would be so he could only get the two hundred million if he becomes All NBA. Right. So that you know he and in order to do that he would have to opt into his year deal next year and then sign a five year right? extension yeah. after that. Which would pay him at most forty nine point nine six five million dollars in twenty twenty two twenty three. I mean, we might he and I might make the same at that point. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I can't predict Zach, the future. That's why Zach had that grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, the other fun thing is that if if he does want to leave and, and doesn't want to do the player option thing, there's not that much of a difference between what the Jazz can offer him and what another team can right. offer him on a four-year deal. Right. And the reason he may want to sign that is if he wanted to become a 10-year veteran as soon as possible and get 35% of the cap. Right. I know that's a lot of math and numbers for... It's for more radio, money but it's, in the long run. It's, it's more money in the long run. The sooner you can get that 35% super max, right. the better. Um, so just some, some other things to look for. Um, he could also sign a one plus one, which is not a crazy idea, actually. Um, if he thinks he can be all NBA, but doesn't get it this season, maybe you put that decision off. You still put pressure on the jazz to be good next season. Sure. And then you sign a hopefully super max deal next off season. You know, there, there are a lot of choices for Gordon. Anyway, let's go ahead and take a break on the other side. I want to play some Joe Ingles, George Hill quotes about their own free agency and also, Derek Favors, you're going to have to give me another true or false on this one, Ooh, Zach. I've got feelings about this. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for next segment next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Gotta Hoops on Utah's number one Gotta sports talk, ESPN Gotta 700. Gotta get dip, 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 dip. Gotta get dip. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you. Uh, all right, we've been listening to media availability, end-of-season media availability quotes uh, all show long so far. We've got through Gordon Hayward's free agency. Obviously, that's a big topic for the Jazz offseason this year. But he's not the only free agent for the Utah Jazz. Of course, Joe Ingles and George Hill are also free agents and what they want to do this... Uh, <laughs> Shelvin Mack. Oh, oh, Shelvin Mack, whoa. Jeff Withey. Jeff Withey. Uh... There are probably others. Howell Neto is kind of unguaranteed, yeah. right? Non-guaranteed. So is Boris. Marcus, Boris is, Marcus Page, right. technically friend of the program. Always not our program, but the Jazz program. A, <laughs> is Ball and Boy a, non-guaranteed? No, he's he's legit. Right? Fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. Nice. For Ball and Boy. Good agent. That's yeah. Really good agent. Second there. round pick, one point wow. three million next year. Wow. Yeah. Pretty good. Really good. Uh, actually, his agent was not great because he told he told him he would go in the first round, but. Got first he round got a money, million dollars. Yeah. yeah, good for him. <laughs> right, uh, and anyway. he made the team. Right, that was unbelievable. Good Joe Ingles is, <laughs> and then spent Joe his Ingles whole season is... at a community college. Yeah, he did. Yeah, well, he was at Weber State before that, which is like like a community right. college. So <laughs> that's we're not going to make fans this way. <laughs> we don't like anyone who went to Weber State. Did we? <laughs> no. Uh, let's talk about Joe Ingles though, who is going to make a million dollars or more. Lo- more. I, I guarantee a million. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Let's 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 see. Um, we asked him what he wants to do this summer with his free agency. He's a restricted free agent, though, um, and, and he had this to say. Everyone knows that, that I want to come back. Um, 
uh, I couldn't couldn't think of a better place to come back. So um, hopefully it all works out and it's uh, a nice quick process and we can uh, be back here as soon as possible. Joe Ingles wants to come back. I honestly thought this cost him some money by saying, I want this to come. I want to be back. I hope it's as soon as, as quick of a process as possible. Like that says, I'm not messing around. I, you know, I, right. I just want to get this done. Uh, What's interesting is I've seen, I've seen people around the league who are familiar with this kind of stuff say like, this guy's getting 336. Sure. Which is a great payday. I've seen people say like 450. Yeah. Four, yeah. Year, four years, 50 million. Um, not four hundred and fifty million. Not four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> I he he may go past what Gordon's getting by two and a half times, but um, but this is you know this is a situation where he, he it's really his only big payday of his career, most likely. Right. Right. Um, Twenty nine. He'll be thirty before the season starts. Right. Thirty before the season starts. Probably looking for a three four year deal. Uh, you know he he may he may just want to get it get it done easily because the money past 10 million or whatever he's going to get isn't that important to him i don't know yeah i mean uh, this is the argument the fans make about all these free agency contracts all the time like what's the real difference between having 30 million dollars and having 40 million dollars well i don't know but guys well, always sign for the 40 million dollars that's just I what guarantee happens if i NBA. said i could give you 30 million dollars or i'd give you 40 million dollars well you take everyone's taking 40 yeah yeah but okay then but, like i hate that argument from you know, us regular people where they're like, whoa, that, you know, what's the, $20 million really going to sure. make you much happier? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. How, how will it make you that much happier? Let's have this argument right now. Okay, so you're going to give me $50 million instead of $30 million. Sure. Right? Okay, well. What are you, what are you buying in that instead? I, I'm, I'm buying everyone for generations. Right, it's generational yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about setting your kids up Health, each with an additional $5 education, million to start their life. Right. Yeah. Comfort, like... Like, granted, you're still ending up with a lot of money, but half of that's getting taken away in taxes, right? Yeah. So that, I mean, that matters. Yeah. All that matters. Joe no. Ingles is a different cat. He's just a different type of guy. Right. He's very fun loving. And in that sense, maybe he does have a little, and he's 30 or will be 30. So he's got twins now. He's married. Right. His perspective on life is, is a lot different than most of the 22 year olds who are signing their first contract, which every professional athlete will tell you. The second contract is your first contract. You know, the one you sign when you get into the league, unless you're a top 10 pick in the NFL. Or a top ten pick in baseball, right. it doesn't really matter. Even NBA players, you know, you're a number one pick. You get what eight million dollars the final year of your contract. It's right. not that great. It's that next contract that really is your money. This is his first real contract, obviously. Uh, but he's thirty. He's not twenty two, trying to sign this deal now. So yeah. his perspective on life might not be, yeah. I need forty eight million, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go put myself in a bad situation with my kids and my wife right. to go play for the Brooklyn Nets. Not that living in Brooklyn wouldn't be the greatest thing ever, but I'm gonna go live in Brooklyn and play on a terrible team for an extra four million dollars. I think he probably has more perspective than that. Right. Now, did, did he cost himself some money by saying, I'm not going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, he didn't say that, but he said, I want to stay in Utah. And thus, maybe the Nets don't tie up their, their money, their three days of, of salary cap money in order to have just have the Jazz match down the road. How essential is Joe Ingles to the Jazz coming back? I mean, at some point, they can't pay Gordon Hayward, Rodney Hood, and Joe Ingles. Right. You're not going to pay all three of those guys. And uh, Hayward's number one. Mm-hmm. Rodney Hood's cheaper next year. So Joe Ingles kind of inherently kind of drops to third, at least this offseason, right. unless you try and trade Rodney Hood, who's a reasonably valuable trade piece but coming up in the draft. You also know that next next summer, not this summer, but next summer, you will have $10.5 million of Joe Johnson coming off the books, yeah, right? right? And maybe you try to re-sign him. I, you know, he, he seemed not re- ready to retire in any way. 
right. um, yesterday. But, uh, but you know, know how you, good he'll be. Right. You, you will have a little bit of flexibility within that because I think we assume, you know, Derek, maybe not long for this yep. team. Alec Burks, maybe not long for this team. Joe, not going to play forever despite, sure. you know, that Jamal Crawfordness of him. Um, you know, th- there will be a little bit more flexibility, but that, I think you're still right. Like there is going to be that hierarchy. And if, if Joe Ingles is $18 million a year, well, right. then I think that the Jazz are going to say, hey, congratulations, go get paid $18 million a year. If it's like 10, 11, 12, 13, that's much more doable. And, and, and I think Joe, by, you know, again, what he said yesterday is, is saying, I would rather stay here for 11, 12, 13 than right. go to Brooklyn for 18. Totally agree. Yeah. And that's good. That's exactly what you want. And yeah. that's, that's that's why you made a smart move by signing him when the Clippers caught him and believing in him. And then giving him another contract and now signing him for this deal. Yeah. By the way, I'm a total Utah homer because, you know, this is where I'm from. Sure. So uh, I'm going to play this quote about how much he likes Utah because it makes my heart warm. To, to visit, but um, once you get here and, and obviously with, with Renee and the kids and um, it, it was a, a perfect city for us. It was it's kind of like where I'm back from, you know, home in uh, in Adelaide, and um, yeah, we we really enjoyed it, and um, hopefully, hopefully, a lot more to go. Again, loves Utah. Yeah, Utah's a great place. Just like Adelaide. Just like Adelaide. I I actually have a couple of friends from Adelaide, believe it or not. And okay, they are neat people, and besides Joe Ingles, sure. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is by design too. I mean, the Jazz are trying to go out and bring guys who aren't going to have preconceived notions about Utah any more than they will about the United right. States. Because if you're from Europe, as cultured as you might be, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old coming over from Europe is not going to be like, well, I know the difference between Salt Lake City and right. Houston. Right, right. Like, obviously, I know the difference between Orlando and playing in Sacramento. How would you know that? Right. I, I don't know the difference between the Italian cities if I'm an 18-year-old yeah. trying to figure out where to play. Everything's Rome to me. Yeah, everything has the Coliseum. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, in that sense, and Dennis Lindsay has talked about this. He says he sees the Jazz getting increasingly more European. And I'm just going to do the the lazy thing and say, that of course, Australia is a part of Europe. Yeah. But well, you, you know what I mean? He, international but he also, players. He also played in Europe, he right? Did play so, in like, Europe, I, think yeah. there, I think there is right. something to that of, like, sure, he's from Australia, but his professional life has been in Europe. So it's not a bad idea. Yeah. And yeah. having guys like that, that that help make you more cultural to bring in more guys of, of cultural, diverse cultural backgrounds probably isn't the worst thing for the Jazz because they're not going to compete with guys in for Los Angeles. Right. You know, for, for New York City or Brooklyn like some of these guys want to go play in. Yeah. Um, Joe Ingleness, truthful quotes before, uh, truthfulness meter of from Zach Harper. I'll go 90% yeah. truth. 90% Very truth. high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that it's like Adelaide. Okay. That's my <laughs> that, that's what that's where I quibble with him. Well, I haven't been to Adelaide. I've been to a few Australian cities. Has Haley been one. to Adelaide? I'm sure. We can we can ask. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. You have a sister in Australia too, right? Yeah. Melbourne. Okay. Uh, with Utah. I mean, Tom Hackett, who hosts the show right before this. Dante Exum. Yeah, Dante Exum. Yeah. Crazy. Uh let's talk about George Hills, also a free agent. Uh I, I have two quotes from him. One about what he's gonna be deciding on, uh, and second, what uh Gordon Hayward's impact he has. Uh, or what Gordon Hayward's free agency impact has on his free agency. Let's play the first one. Well, I have a son, so, you know, that's that's my first responsibility is take care of my son, my fiance, um, make sure everything is, is fine with them. You know, that that's going to be a lot of my decision also to figure out what's best for them um, and, and let them be part of my um, wherever I go. But um, I think, you know, team is a big thing. You know, I, I love to win. Um, I, I love good teammates, solid locker room guys. So uh, all those things will be in the play. Just finding, you know, what's the best locker room for me to be in? Where can I help the most? 
um, the teammates that they got and, and what's already there and, and our chances of winning. So um, I, I think, like you said, the group we have here is, is more than enough. And, you know, I was just so excited just to be here and be a part of something that, you know, was remarkable for this year. Okay, so first of all, he mentioned his son and fiance first, which yeah. to me says I want to think about that generational wealth that Ben you were talking about, sure. right? Like you want to make sure that they have enough that they're going to be happy forever. Uh, and then, furthermore, you want to then location matters to those guys too, right? You know, if you want to grow up in a safe place, you want to grow up in a good location, right. whatever. Uh, and then for him, then it becomes about kind of the winning and the team factors and locker room, et cetera, all those things he said, and and that's where the Jazz match up. It's just kind of whether or not the Jazz end up giving that financial stability and the location that uh, his family needs moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I to this sounds a lot like George Hill to me. You yeah. know, like the, like he he didn't say anything that that seemed out of character. Like this is kind of how he's talked all year. This is the way he's portrayed himself. You know, s- social media wise or whatever. Like, I mean, he's he seems like a pretty down to earth guy that is hyper competitive, likes good solid structures. Um, in terms of team building and, you know, surprise, super cares about his family and, yeah. like, their well-being. Uh, and, and, look, he's a guy, I mean, when has he ever lived in a big city in his life? He hasn't. Right. He grew up in Indiana, went to IUPUI, went to San Antonio, went back to Indiana, and now Salt Lake. Right. So, like, the big city thing, maybe he wants to go do that. Sure. I don't get the impression that that's the case. It seems yeah. like it's the Jazz or it's San Antonio. Right, I mean, doesn't that or maybe Indiana? But I, it really seems like it's those three teams that are going to be picking between uh, that he'll be picking between coming up this offseason. I know Minnesota will go after him, but I I don't know how seriously sure. he'll consider them. Here's another question we need to ask too: instead of just kind of not being able to see past our noses and say, "Well, these Jazz players are currently here," and this is probably a bigger conversation later on, but have the Jazz improved their image towards free agents because of how good of a team they are now and because of the pieces they do have? I think if you lose Gordon Hayward, that's obviously a huge loss. Sure. You're probably not going to go out and get a bunch of guys to want to sign here. Right. But you've got Rudy Gobert. Like there are some things here, and the Jazz are good, and they're going to have a little bit of money, and they've got some draft picks. They they aren't the worst situation to find yourself in if you're if you're signing a contract and, and a team's going to pay you that extra six million dollars, and that's what you care about. Yeah. I don't know what happens if you know what happens to that whole identity if Gordon leaves, but I think you know Dennis talked about this. I. Th- think on Woj's podcast mm. where he was like I he said something along the lines of I believe the Joe Johnson signing was a huge turning point for yep. us in terms of free agent interest and I I agree 100% like I think you know Joe is crazy respected around the NBA and for him to go and then have the year he had and have the first round that he had against the Clippers and kind of be on that national stage like I think that stuff matters to players oh, and, yeah. you know I don't know that they're going to go get Paul George next summer but I think that for the most part you're going to see guys consider it more yeah. yeah it is hard because if if gordon hayward stays then they don't have cap space and if he leaves then they don't have gordon hayward right right you know, exactly then, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a catch-22 either way with that but um you know i i think it has improved at least the the stature for for trades or you know whatever whatever it is for guys to sign cheaper minimum deals you know even at yeah. the lower the lower end of the free agent pool i think that stuff matters too. right all right, we got to take another break. Um, on the other side, we've got a couple of reader questions, uh, sorry, listener questions. And then, uh, Ben, you wanted to talk about the lottery coming up. That's next yep. Tuesday and, and how kind of that lottery order may change what the Jazz do in free agency or what they're able to do. Absolutely. So that's, that's next here on the Salt City Hoop Show right here on ESPN 700.
Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper with you. A um, couple listener questions to get to before we talk about the lottery real quick. Uh, Miles Newby at NewbyMiles89 asks, when do summer league tickets go on sale? I have no idea. But the Utah Jazz Summer League is June or July 3rd, uh, 3rd 5th, and 6th this right. year taking place at the Huntsman Center, not Vivint Arena. Presumably tickets will go on sale in the I next a, couple of weeks. As long as I get a courtside no. seat again, that's all I care about. That, that is the biggest issue. It's the best, uh, it's the best Summer League seat in the house, I would say. Yeah. Um, and our Greek fan, Giorgio Spinias, asks, will Derek Good Favors morning. stay okay. in Utah? Will Derek Favors stay in Utah? Yeah. No. He would if he could. But he I don't think he right. does. I, I think he gets traded. I don't think he would if he could. I, I think if oh, he really? were a free agent, I think he would leave the summer. Oh, interesting. Uh, and I think he would. I think he's going to be traded. But we'll yeah. talk about Derek Favors more. We've got quotes from him um, from end of season media availability yesterday. So we'll play those later on in the show. Um, ben, you wanted to talk about the lottery, and in particular, it is only five hours, five days. Sorry, twenty-two hours, eight minutes away, and uh, so. There's this idea that the order of the lottery in five days will change what these teams are going to be wanting to do in free agency. You know, what, what would help the Jazz? First of all, it's nice the Jazz aren't in the lottery for the first yeah. time in five years now. We aren't saying like one in one point percent chance they move <laughs> up into the top three right. when it never happens and the Jazz get killed and whatever. Uh, here's the odds right now to win it if you haven't paid attention. The Nets are number one, but they owe that pick to Boston for Paul Pierce, I think. Like, how do yeah, they? Right. That's just one of the worst trades of all time. Uh, but but so the Celtics have the best odds. They've got a twenty five percent chance to win number one. Suns come in at number two. Lakers three, Sixers four, Magic five, Timberwolves six, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Here's what I'm thinking: the top two players are going to be point guards that are drafted. Right. You don't want Boston to end up with one of those top two picks because if they can go out and get a Markel Fultz or go and get Alonzo Ball, even if they already have Isaiah Thomas, that makes them look like a better team long term and they still have a gap at small forward. So they still want to go out and sign Gordon Hayward coming up this offseason. However, if they bump down to number three, there are two small forwards that are most likely going to be drafted, at least if you go off of what Draft Express is saying right now, and that's Josh Jackson from Kansas, the freshman small forward, and then Jason Tatum, the small forward from Duke. Right. So if they're drafting at three or four and they feel like, hey, this has to be a franchise piece and what's supposed to be a very good draft, maybe we don't go and throw $150 million at a guy who has to play in front of him for the next four years. So you hope, I think, that Boston drops down to three or four. That's the best case scenario. I agree. I mean, I, th- I think that you want, you want Boston crowding that wing crowding. core as much as possible. Yeah. Not a Jay Crowder pun? Oh, no, because I think he'll be traded because I think he hates everybody now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, that might be universal. Right. He literally hates everybody. <laughs> He's an angry guy. <laughs> yeah. So you think if they pick Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson, they don't go after Gordon Hayward? I think it's I a don't know little bit less likely. Also, let's say this. Let's say they fall to three or four and they don't think that franchise piece is there. They might be more willing to part with that pick to go out and get Jimmy Butler yeah, or to I, go and get I, Paul George. I think that's more likely. Is that I still think they go after Gordon Hayward in that scenario, but I think that if they fall out of the top two and don't get Lonzo or don't get Markel Fultz, um, I think they're severely trying to either go acquire Jimmy Butler or go acquire Paul George 
maybe even on draft night. Yeah. Yeah, they need a small forward regardless if they fall to three or four, and they will end up with one, yeah. whether they trade for it or draft it. And look, if they're loaded there, and they drafted Jalen Brown last year right. in Boston, yeah. so maybe that's good for the Jazz. At least it's a li- it has to give them a little bit of pause that they're going to go and pay somebody a max contract that's going to limit their future viability or, it, or availability. If they do get one of the first two picks and draft a point guard, what do they do with Isaiah? I mean... You sign him this offseason to an extension, and then you trade him. The idea that he's going to make... Thirty to forty million dollars a year over the course of a four or five year deal. I know he's been so good this year, and there are Iverson comparisons, all that stuff. I just wouldn't pay a five seven guy that money. He's still going to be good next year. Yeah, he should still be good next year. So I would pay him the hundred and fifty million this off season, and then trade him coming up once Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball is ready to take over a point guard, okay. and then get another really good asset for him. You're getting yeah. another max asset player right. back or a bad contract and a really good draft pick, which right. is what Danny Ainge has done so well. And Danny Ainge prefers to be in trade rumors that never really come to fruition anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. that's ideal for him. Uh, what else? What you know? Besides Boston, what other teams matter? Ideally, I would say a team that has no impact on what the Jazz do, getting the number one pick, and on the East Coast. So the worst case. As West Coast teams, as the Lakers getting the number one pick. Right. Number two is probably the Timberwolves because they have two number one picks already and seem like they're on that verge of maybe turning the corner, if not this year, next year. I would right. say the Timberwolves are worse just because they have immensely, you know, immeasurably more talent. Uh, one of them has Magic Johnson, though. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, Kobe's old agent. Let's not forget that okay. tie-in that so even, probably matters. That's another reason. Like, even if they are sure. good, they won't be good. At least the Lakers <laughs> right. are a destination city. Yeah. Uh, right. Los Angeles is and Minnesota a, is not. There's a real chance that Minnesota is a playoff team next season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot. I still think a lot has to go their way, but I, I think there's a real chance that they're in that position. And you don't want to give them a guy who looks like he might be Damian Lillard or maybe Jason Kidd and Lonzo Ball. I right. mean, you don't want to give that right. to what those two guys are. Yeah. Because if they get that player, holy cow, that team's going to be ridiculous for a really long time. Yeah. So, yeah, neither the Lakers or Minnesota – you want it to go east, and I say the Knicks because they have bad salaries. They're not going to be able to pry anyone away from the Jazz. Sixers, I put at number two. Okay. First of all, because I like the Sixers. Second of all, as far as East Coast teams that are not named Toronto, I think they're a destination for Kyle Lowry, and I just yeah. think that the Jazz, if George Hill for some reason doesn't work out or the Jazz are going to pay him max money, you talk to Kyle Lowry. You at least talk to him and say, we could use your scoring punch. You've been unbelievable playing in Salt Lake City in your career. Why don't you come back and give it another shot? Why don't you come here and play? And and because he's over thirty, right. you say we'll give you that extra year contract that maybe other teams are a little uh, wary of doing. So you give him the extra year plus the thirty five percent of the cap for I, Kyle Lowry. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Because you're trying to bring Gordon Hayward back, right? You yeah. know, and that's I mean, what that's, you're trying to. Yeah, appeal that's what to. it is. Is it's a package deal, right? It's right. not like, well, now we're just going to have Kyle Lowry here for four years. Like, for no it's, reason. It's, yeah. No. Hey, yeah, we lost George, but we we brought in a better player. A better player. Yeah. Come yeah. stay here. And, and Gordon's smart enough to know that. Absolutely, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. So uh, then Boston sitting at three or four, they get a small forward, and right. they either trade that pick or draft a guy that maybe gives them pause about signing Hayward. And then, on top of that, the Lakers end up owing their pick to the Sixers. Yeah. Right. In a trade that actually came from Milwaukee, right? For Michael Carter-Williams? So, yes. right. They This was... Uh, <laughs> it's just, Jim Buss, I miss yeah. him. I really miss <laughs> right. him. That was Because that was the Brandon Knight-Michael Carter-Williams three-way trade, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember Which, how it all ended up. Or maybe but, it was a four-team deal because Milwaukee was involved? 
regardless, if the Lakers fall out of the top three, yeah. they owe their pick to the Philadelphia 76ers. Right. And that's fine with me, because what the Sixers do doesn't impact the Jazz at all. Right. Right. They're not going to be a finals team right. you know, any, anytime soon. And Boston can't fall past four. That's the furthest right. they can fall. They can only right. get jumped by three teams. Yeah. So that's best case scenario. That's something I'd keep an eye on on Tuesday. You don't want Boston, though, ending up with a point guard, having a great trade asset in Isaiah Thomas if they want to resign him, and then still need a small forward. That's worst case scenario. Right. If it makes you feel good, there's a greater than 50% chance that they end up at either three or four. Boston. Well, and actually the truth is we know the Lakers are getting a top three pick because Magic Johnson guaranteed it. He doesn't know how. He guaranteed it. He wow. guaranteed it to Luke week. Walton. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you if get for going on vacation or work vacation, Andy. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all right. Um, we'll go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we've got all those other quotes from end of season media availability yesterday, including more lies from Derek Favors. Oh, I don't know. Tune in to find out. Well, yeah, that's that? true. We, we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to uh, spoil the the truthometer. That's a good word. Ooh, truthometer. Truthometer. Yeah. I like it. All right, that's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. Yeah. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back to the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you. Um, Haley just tweeted a screenshot from Rudy Gobert's uh, Snapchat account. This is either Snapchat or Instagram. I'm not sure which. But okay. he's got he's holding a tennis racket. He's out there playing tennis today in two days after the season ends. With Gordon Hayward, noted tennis champion? No photo of Gordon Hayward. Right, I'm guessing so. just playing by, well, probably not by himself, but probably without Gordon Hayward. That's Haley Burns' social media face of the Utah Jazz. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he plays at the net, right? You put Rudy at the net so you don't. Yes. <laughs> why, I mean, why? Yeah. Why would yeah, he ever not? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. And he's only a doubles guy because right. you're not expecting yeah. him to cover the whole court. I don't think he needs no. to. No. He's a mixed doubles guy. Right. Yeah. Mixed doubles. Yeah, for Just sure. Have no. You should have him and like someone super fast. So you've got you've got Rudy on the net and then someone to cover the oh, baseline. Oh, how old? His son. How great Child. idea. Yeah. Father. Son, tennis partners. Well, it's I mean, a father-son, seen... father-son situation because they're both each other's sons. That's true. Which I still don't confusing. fully understand. Is that what they said? That's what they're they like yeah, little they brothers to each they, other. They go back and forth. Okay. On who is whose father right. and son, etc. I kind of want to play. I'm not very good at tennis, but I kind of want to play them now just to see what a what a freak show that must be. My game would totally not work because it's a lot of lobs. <laughs> yeah, 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 you hit at his feet. You got to hit at Rudy's and, feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember seeing. I think it was Curtis Borchard. Driving Sasha Pavlovich around right. in like the old four season, wow. and that was a good father son combo. <laughs> a couple of name poles right the there. Jazz a long time ago. I do think it's funny that how old drives Rudy Gobert around, like picks him up at these apartments right here on on you know they live on the same street that our radio right. show is on, and like how old just comes and picks him up and go, takes him to practice sometimes in a Fiat. Or takes him to the flight. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Rudy's got like a big car. It's not the biggest car, yeah. but it's a pretty big car. But it still can't be comfortable to drive. No, there's no way. So. But it's not like Howell's driving a limousine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. If anything, we should take Gobert's car because it's probably nicer. Although he hasn't gotten the $100 million yet. Right. He's, on, he's on a year. cheap deal. Yeah. Uh, he both. could go to one of those places, though, like the, that pay out your annuities before. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. yeah. He's going I'm not like, going to say the name of the place. But right. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, could go <laughs> and get like $60 million on the $100 million that he right. <laughs> and pay someone off. All right. Uh, Derek Favors. Let's play his quotes. Um, 
He had one of the shorter interviews of end of season media availability yesterday. It was actually less than five minutes. Um, and I think it was kind of because we were kind of shocked by what he said at the end of it. Uh, let's go ahead and play that quote. Definitely feel 100% now going into this offseason. Um, I, feel, I feel a lot better. Um, I mean, of course, I'm still doing a lot of training, a lot of um, rehab stuff to make sure, you know, the stuff go away and never come, comes back. Um, but I definitely feel 100%. He definitely feels 100%. And we were like, wait, what? Are you sure? And he, and he confirmed, yes, it's, I feel 100% right now. I don't know that I buy it because he doesn't look 100% when he's out there on the floor. I, I, granted, I'm not around like the medical staff and the training staff and everything, but at what point from when he said he was playing on one leg two months ago did he have the time to become 100%? Yeah. I mean... Like, like that doesn't happen without rest and right. treatment. He did dunk on Draymond Green in game sure. four. Yeah. And at times he looked athletic. Yeah, there are times where he shows a burst. And there are times where it looks like he's wearing cement shoes. Maybe he's like me and he's just 100% ready for the summer. Maybe that's what he's <laughs> Yeah, saying, yeah. Like, I guess he didn't say what uh, he's 100% some, you know, at. I went, yeah. went to Target and got some shorts. Like, I'm ready to go now. I'm, I'm ready for the, the, the warmth. Uh, but he is a liar. And not just this year. Last year. Because I asked him that same question because last year it looked like he had had a scope done on his knee because of where he had these Band-Aids placed on his knee. Like two, first of all, guys in the NBA never have Band-Aids on their knees, right. especially for a scab. And I, <laughs> I remember watching the second-to-last game of the year because the Jazz went to the, went to the Kobe 60-point performance and watched that, right. the final game of the season. And he had ice Favors on his knees. Play. Right, and he didn't play because of that. Uh, but he had these Band-Aids in two spots where I believe is where, you, where they stick the scope in. And I said, I asked him at locker room cleanup, did you have any like weird procedures done or did you have anything extra done? He said, no. It's like, okay, you obviously did because you couldn't walk the whole rest of the year. Right. Like something was really wrong with your knee the entire off season. So last year he lied to me. So I'm not, I have to take this as a lie just because I'm going to assume everything mm-hmm. he says to me from here on out, me specifically. Is this a is a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Yes. So basically he, I mean, and we always tell guys that like they should gut through it, right? And they should just yeah, power put through. their best no. effort on the floor. Wrong. Yeah. Take time Take off. Time. Yes. No days off? No. Hashtag yeah. lots of days lots off. Lots of days off. <laughs> 60 games a year. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I on one hand, like, I, I guess it's good that he says he's healthy, but on the other hand, if, if he was healthy over the last series, right, like, in my mind, that lowers his value. Because if, if this is Derek Favors moving forward, then with a bad knee and a bad back, then A, he's definitely a center. And B, he's not worth that much money. You know, I don't know that he's worth the twelve million dollars well, that he's getting paid next. Oh year. no, I think he's worth the twelve million dollars. I think he. I, I don't think that takes much to justify a twelve million dollar contract. Okay. Um, but I think I. This was my theory yesterday, and I still believe it today. Uh, that's just that's good marketing for potential suitors. Exactly. You come out and you say, "Yeah, of course I'm 100 percent right. Absolutely. Why? You know, I, I like I'm. I feel great. And then if the question is, well, then why were you so bad in the playoffs? I like my answer would be well. I mean, they just they jerked around my role right the, this whole season because of the injuries. And once I was 100, percent they felt they wanted to go somewhere else. And so now I'm playing out of position. And I'm playing in a role I'm not used to, and it took some getting used to. And so when you acquire me this summer, you don't have to worry about any of that because we're going to know my role is different. We're going to know my role is what it's supposed to be. And that was something you said, Andy. Maybe he doesn't want to be in Utah anymore. Maybe he wanted to get a contract, or maybe he wanted to be traded, or maybe he's just tired of his role. He understands his role is gone. That That's really what it is. It's not that he dislikes Utah. I think sure. he likes it here. I think yeah. he likes you know the coaching staff. I think he likes the locker room. Likes the players. It's just that he doesn't like playing 12 minutes a game behind Rudy Gobert. Right. And for the foreseeable future, I mean, even when he was healthy 
Quinn Snyder didn't play him and Gobert at the end of games together. Even when you know the option was Trevor Booker and Rudy Gobert, that's yeah. what Quinn did at the end of games last season. And so I think he sees that, and I think he sees, hey, I'm not playing at the end of games. I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be playing in, in the important minutes. I know I've brought this up on previous shows, but that that lineup of Hill, Hood, Hayward, Gobert, once you switch through, the, cycle through those four, you know, the, that power forward position, Boris Diaw, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, even Trey Lyles, monster net ratings, mm-hmm. monster, pos- monster positive net ratings with any any of those options. Throw Derek Favors, which was the you know the ideal starting yes. lineup. Mm-hmm. They were a negative. They were minus three point four. I think a ton of that has to do with injuries. I don't think that's indicative of what it would be next season if they were healthy. But it showed like it didn't work this year in a year where the team was highly successful in every other situation. I think that matters. Yeah, and I, I think that's why the Jazz look to move him this this summer, whether that's at the draft, whether that's in trade, yeah. you know, what, whenever that happens, yeah. I think they're going to be looking for a stretch for who, who spaces the floor, you know, whether that's a guy like Boris who can pass it a little bit um, but isn't all that mobile, or if it's just a, a straight-up wing player. You know, you can right. go straight small now and, and yeah. not have too many problems. In my mind, they need to find a stretch power forward who, I mean, who can I, play that role. Ideally, it's a guy that used to be here is Marvin Williams. Marvin yeah. Williams has become an excellent stretch forward, yeah. right? And I don't know how uh, he just re-signed with Charlotte and they seem to love him, so I don't think he'd be all that available. Or I don't even know that the Jazz are interested in bringing him back. But a guy of that caliber who's not this overtly great player but just fills yep. all of those little gaps that you need. You, you also, think Marvin Williams still did that? You know, I, I, His contract year was great last season and had kind of a little bit of a drop-off this year. Do you think he still does that? Now and yeah, I think that Charlotte team was career. a mess this year. Okay. I don't think that's on him. You also don't trade a lot of fours for fours. You just right. don't see a yeah, lot of position exactly. for position, which is why I put out a trade. Just an idea. I'm because I, I would do this for just one part of this trade, which is would you trade Derek Favors for Damari Carroll and a first round draft pick? If you could get a first round pick Ooh. from the Clippers, which probably comes in at I think it comes in at twenty three this year. Right. Basically, the idea is then you have three picks in the twenties and you're moving up to twelve. You're moving up to thirteen coming in and you're giving up three first rounders to try and move up into that top fifteen picks. To get a guy that you swing for the fences on, you you hope he turns into something, and you get Damari Carroll, and you say we're not going to be able to pay jo- uh, uh, Rodney Hood and Joe Ingles and Gordon Hayward, but we've got two more years of Damari Carroll who might be done, but he might not be done. He's a year removed now from a knee injury. If you can get not who he was his last year in Atlanta when he was great, right? But just like a seventy five percent of that. You've got a very serviceable wing player who can guard the best defensive player on the wing on the other side of the ball, at least could, and you've only got him for two more years, and you get an additional asset, and you unload Derek Favors' contract. Yeah. I, that's the type of deal I think is realistic for Derek Favors, yeah, in all honesty. That. You're not going to go out and get a superstar small forward right. or, or, or power forward who You're can stretch the You're not trading for ball. Anthony Davis. Right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, he Blake just doesn't Griffin have that value. Not gonna, yeah. yeah. So that's, I think, I mean, you're, you're taking on something bad in return, and you hope to get another asset that's good in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a realistic type of trade you make, and Jazz fans were mixed on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd do that. Um, I'd be a little bit worried about DeMar Carroll just because he, uh, he's really struggled as seasons have gone on the last yep. two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you believe you can get him healthy and if you believe that he can be, like you said, I mean, even 75% of the player he was that last year in Atlanta. If you get him his last year, he was in Utah. He was good. Yeah. He was worth that money because he wasn't I mean, signed in Atlanta that's for that much. That's great value. And, you know, you get him for, what is he, like 14, 15 a year at this point? Yeah. Quinn for knows two him years. from their Quinn, time in yeah, Atlanta. He's going to know the system. He knows the players. He knows, you know, a lot of stuff. Like, I think you can you can do a lot with that that kind of flexibility. Two years left at $15 million a year for Damare. Uh, you're paying you're paying Derek basically 15. I mean, what 13 or whatever, 12 next yeah, year, negligible, right. and you get a first round pick. 
I mean, yeah. I would think Rye would really think about that trade, and if they lose Serge Ibaka in the offseason, they might need a guy like and that. And I also think those are flippable assets. Like it's exactly. not like this is now who you have for the future. Like this is you can just you can just do a lot in terms of yep. shuffling things around. Uh, Marvin Williams, by the way, is making thirteen and a half million dollars for the next two years, and then has a player option for fifteen in the last yeah third year. So anyway, I just well, Jazz fans need to realize you're not getting a great return for Derek Favors right, right. now. Right, He's no, been really injured. Uh, there's questions about his long-term future. There are questions about what position he plays. He's pretty small for a center. He does not stretch the floor well enough at all to be a power forward. He did say he was going to add a three-point shot. He tried a couple times this year. Yeah, we I, all saw him shoot at that elementary school right, that we went yeah. to. We were like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, I am, I'm skeptical on the three-point shot yep. for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I just don't know. He's only got a year left on his deal, too, right? Yep. Like so, And he's an unrestricted free agent after that. So you have to... You, I don't know that a team is going to give up a first-round pick for a expiring, basically, and give up a medium asset kind of piece like a Demari Carroll. Unless you feel, unless they know Demari Carroll's done and they don't right. want to pay him twenty-eight and they, million, and they want to get out of the yep. final year of that contract, exactly. which, yeah. yeah, which they may want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Evan Turner. <sighs> no, no Evan Turner. I'm no, telling no. you, Evan Turner. I can't watch Evan Turner. You for You might games. be able to get C.J. McCollum if you're willing to take on Evan Turner. And giving up, but you got to give them a lot back. I think, CJ but you McCall might be able to take awesome. forty million dollars. I can't watch Evan Turner up close that much. You might have to. I, I <laughs> you just might have to. Just wave him. I just can't. Josh Smith style wave. Yeah, just him. eat the, just stretch the contract. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm into that. Okay, I, actually, you, stretching is not a crazy idea. And you turn him into what the Bobby Bonilla of the NBA, in which he's getting paid, you know, a million and a half dollars for the next forty years. Magic, right? Didn't Magic sign a thirty year, yeah, thirty million dollar so, contract? Yeah. <laughs> he got a million dollars a year. I like it. Anyway, um, Derek Favors, truthometer. Oh, truthometer. What did we come up with? One percent. I'll give him one percent. <laughs> I'm gonna go higher than that because he shot 48 percent from the floor in the regular season and shot 58 percent in the playoffs. So maybe he felt better. Maybe compared to 100%? where he was all year, 100 percent better. <laughs> I don't feel 100 percent. I feel 100 percent better. I did. I did get my car back from the mechanic today, and I am 100 percent ready for driving now. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that makes sense. Right. If, if Derek Favors, if Derek Favors had been to a mechanic, I would I would buy what he said. Yeah, maybe I mean, or maybe he 100 percent got that bed from Al Jefferson. Ooh, it's magic because yeah. I mean we've seen Al Jefferson move right. just <laughs> so well in recent years. All right, uh, Alec Burks, also another guy who's injured but actually admitted it. Um, let's go ahead and play his quote. I knew coming into it, I was starting the season so late that I wasn't going to you know, get to my old self. I knew that coming in, so I was just trying to get healthy. And I played a little bit January, I think a little bit February, but I was still dealing with things, you know, just from coming back, you know, being out so long. And then towards the end, it just, I felt, you know, that my leg wasn't always right and I needed to do steps to make, make myself more healthy. That's why I didn't play, you know, just, I was just in pain, so I couldn't play through that. I knew that coming in, though. You know, my my injury was more serious than I thought it was, and I'm learning that it's a lot of things that need to be done you know, to get my leg right. I think that's really interesting. You know, he thought he was coming back. I mean, in in his fairness, in in his defense, sorry, he he was out for two years, right, with right. kind of yeah. this this injury and and its after effects and surgeries and all of that. And comes back ready to play, and he doesn't have it, right? Like he doesn't have the explosion, as he put it. He's used to going around guys, over guys. And he wasn't able to do that anymore. Uh, and so now he's realizing, okay, now I need to get my leg. You know, I'm, I'm healthy. I can play basketball, but I'm not good at it right now. Right. And that's what he needs to figure out. I think he's lying. Well, I think he's 100%. Okay. No, not really. I, no, I actually <laughs> appreciated the truth of, like, not only admitting, like, I'm injured or I'm, I'm 
you know, it's it's a slow way to get back, but saying I didn't realize like that it was going to be this. Like yeah. I you know, like I knew I wasn't going to be back to myself, but I didn't realize it was going to be exactly this. And I think that that um I don't know, that's just a, some great honesty about a situation where I'm sure a lot of fans had a ton of questions because the Jazz are not all that forthcoming with with injury information, yeah. right? And so like he shed a light on a lot of stuff there and I and I think that maybe you feel because he you know he talked about learning how to strengthen his you know his body and in, in, you know after other questions in the in yesterday's availability like strengthening other parts of his parts of his body so he's not having to go through the same stuff and learning you know how to help prevent some of this stuff and come back with with other training and other exercises and I think that maybe makes you feel better like let's say he doesn't get traded this year like this summer the, say the injuries you know stop teams from wanting to take him on right which they will which, yeah, yeah which it very likely I think you can feel pretty good that it, coming into next season, assuming there are no setbacks, he'll be he'll be ready to go. Hmm. Um, I don't think like I don't think this is going to be a chronic thing. I think he's learned a lot about his body, and and at least can can come back from that. Yeah, I I do think that it, it kind of the Jazz should and will explore dumping his contract on someone. But at this point, I'm I'm worried that it's going to take the 30th pick in the draft. You know, I, I yeah, think exactly you can't. You know, it took two seconds to dump Tibor Plyce's contracts on the Sixers last year, and that was three three and a half million dollars. Right, right. Uh, Ten, eleven million dollars is a very different question, and and I think you do have to give up a first round pick in order to give that to another team because it's two years, twenty one million bucks. And it, right. right, and it's two years too. Uh, and, and you know, obviously, the Jazz would rather use that money in different places whether that's joe ingles whether that's rodney hood's extension you know whatever that is uh but ultimately i don't know that a team is willing to risk it for a guy who again has been out for the last two years um did end up playing 50 or i think it was 40 games this season but still like it was not good it wasn't yeah, good like, when he, he maybe was, looked like himself twice yeah that you know? that and that was the biggest issue is that he he wasn't good right, right. like the man shot under 40 percent from within three feet of the rim yeah. which is i mean he's a He's an athletic freak who they call Houdini because of the yeah. ways he can get you know finishing to happen, right? And, right? and he couldn't do any of that. My fear for Alec Burks is that he has to reinvent who he is as a basketball player, and not a lot of guys can do that. Some guys really find a way to do it and yeah. have great second half of their careers, and we might be talking about the second half of Alec Burks' career already. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to talk right. about him playing until he's 35. He's not that type of guy. He might have to figure out, can I be a spot-up three-point shooter? Yeah, three and D guy, right? Like, one, that's lucrative, and two, that's right. just much less wear and tear on your body. It's how you survive in the NBA, yeah. and I don't know why that's going to happen. I hope it does, right? because the Jazz own $20 million. It'd be great right. if they could get something for that $20 million, and they could use a guy who sits out and hits threes and plays a little bit of defense. But can be unfortunately, an he hasn't shown a great three-point stroke. I mean, I, I think it's actually a better part of his game yeah. than he realizes, but... Still was only 32% this year, 32.9%. Yeah, but I don't look at his shot and think like, oh, that needs work. No, right? I, like no, it, no, no, It needs no. a little bit of fine-tuning, but I think creating a consistent three-point shot for him isn't that hard to do. I agree, but even this year when he was hurt, when you would think he would default shoot three-pointers, and that's what the Jazz probably asked him to do before the season, he still tried to get to the paint. Yeah, like right, it's exactly. just he goes into autopilot. Yeah. he doesn't play the way the Jazz want yeah, him to he play. To, he has to learn smart, a smarter way of playing, right? It is, and that's a hard, it's a hard sure. thing to do. Yeah. It is the most three point shots he's taken on a per possession basis in his career Great. this yeah. year. Which again, yeah, I, but I also like, that. like he had one leg, like you know, right. shooting with your legs like he does. Like I don't, I don't know how you find that consistency when your body's not right. It's a good point. Uh, and then defensively, uh, I don't think he's ever had it. 
No. You know, I, I think he's a decent on-ball defender. He's got the body to be a good defensive sure, player. Sure, I think that's I think that's just an experience thing. It doesn't mean he'll he will figure it out, but that that he hasn't done it up until being 24, 25 years old doesn't bother. And he's atrocious off the ball. Yeah, because yeah, I I expect guys, falls I, asleep every yeah, time down. The I floor. expect young guys to be bad at defense. I really do. But it's his sixth NBA season. Yeah. No, he has a lack of awareness. Yeah, he pl- I mean, he played for Ty Corbin, right? Like, yeah. So take off three years. I, yeah, I mean, are we pretending that he had great leadership and great like since Quinn's takeover and this and his train staff or this development staff? Like that's something where you want to see that progress, right? But right. if you have developed bad habits before that, you know, you have to find time to get rid of those bad habits. Yeah, and I I don't think he has, and I I, I do really worry about whether or not he's he's capable of that. Sure, I think again, no, I think that's a fair criticism. I just like, oh, he's been in the league for six years. Well, that doesn't that doesn't mean that he can't do it in my mind. Yeah, I, I get that. He has had three of those years with Quinn Snyder. Sure. Admittedly, a lot of them were hurt, so you know, yeah, he's not exactly. in those same practices. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're banking on that, you have to show it first. I oh, think, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anything else on Alec Burks? Let's, I just I don't expect. The Jazz don't want him to bring him back next year. I would, I would guess, and I don't know if they have any other choice unless, yeah, you're going to give up a first round draft pick, right? Which you don't want to do because you want to either package those and move up, or you want to get young players in case you're starting a rebuild this off season. Yeah, heck, I don't think stretching him is crazy, honestly. Like, if you need that much money, you need an extra six million for right. whatever. But anyway, and how the stretch rules work? Just as a reminder. Yeah, so you you kind of break it up into fifty. You you stretch out the contract. For uh, it kind of depends, but for basically double the length of what you double the, the length of what's is, remaining, and then you pay fifty percent of what you would for double, and the it time. counts against your cap. Yes, right. But you don't have to have the player on your basketball team, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that is sometimes Josh Smith's still getting paid. Wow, by the Pistons, right? I think this. I think this next year's the last year. Yeah, he was stretched. Good, good for him. <laughs> good for him. Good for Stan. Boozer stretched. Right. Uh, Boozer stretched. Boozer stretched. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Rudy Gobert, not a lot of like questions up in the air for Rudy Gobert. Obviously, he has the four-year, $100 million extension moving forward. Um, but it was kind of interesting just to hear him talk about his expectations for the team and, and kind of what he thought about his own growth this year. Let's, let's play uh, what he thought about what this team can do next year. I feel that uh, there's a lot of room to, to get better at, you know, and uh, that's why I really, feel, I really feel confident about the future because we... We end up winning 51 games, and uh, I feel like we there's so many games we should have won and we didn't. You know, so you know I'm going into next year. I'm thinking, uh, you know, why not win 60 games? He sounds like you, Zach. You why not what? win 60? I don't see why they won't. I mean, I, I think it depends on what players they have. I think that's an important. That's, that's like the most important thing for most teams, depending on how many yeah. how many games <laughs> they win, is who's on their team. You bring back Hayward and Hill, and let's say 60? say Ingles too. 62 wins. What? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, all right. One here's the, here's the they, case they, of all they, time. They went 11 plus, or plus 11 this year, right? Or yeah. plus 10? Yeah, plus 11. Plus 11? From 40 to 51. Consistency, plus 11 next year. Okay. I mean, there is a case for 60 wins in that you say they lost 9.4 wins to injuries by these, like, win share and kind of metrics, let me, let right? Let me throw a stat at you. They were 12-2 and two when that, that uh, starting lineup you know, even that, even with it being bad, with favors in the lineup and hood and everything, <laughs> they were twelve and two when that lineup was available. Right, that's a seventy win pace. Okay, sixty two is selling them short. Oh, how about that? Okay, you also had Rudy for eighty games this year, eighty one games. Right, right. So if you have I'm Rudy not, for, I'm not betting on that. 
70 games next year. I'm betting on 70 games, and that makes up for <laughs> two other players. In all honesty, I mean, that, that makes Maybe. up for losing five games of George Hill or Gordon Hayward or Derek Favors or whoever. He's, he's that type of an impact player in the regular season. Yeah, I think we saw that last year. You know, I think that was a large reason why the Jazz lost 100%. 40 games is because he was yeah. out for 25 in, in the middle of the year. Um, but I like that optimism. I, I put Rudy Gobert and Zach Harper in charge of recruiting whatever free agents the Jazz need to sign. You want championships and 60-win seasons? I mean, and if they keep that up the year after, you have tied the NBA record with 73 wins in the 2018-19 season. Crazy. Can you imagine what's possible in 2019? Can they go 82-0? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they can. I think 84-0 is, is what you're yeah. proposing. Yeah, and they quit after the first two games of the first <laughs> round. And they you're just not say, wrong We're done. about Rudy, though. Like, that optimism is good. That's a good yeah, recruiting it's what's tool. Made, it's what's made him what he is. It's what's is. made him good. Yeah. It's, what made, it's what's made the Jazz good. If you're a free agent, you're thinking about the Jazz. As much as you're thinking, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward was great in the playoffs, you think of him as a defensive team, and there's one reason they're a defensive team. Right. And it's Rudy. And it's Rudy. Yeah. So you, you know you're going to that. And That's may, great. Good for the Jazz. You might be pitching, I don't think he'll win it, but you might be pitching the defensive player of the year. Right. And right? an all-NBA first right. or second teamer. Which he definitely should be. And he makes everyone's job easier. Yeah. Because you can play a different type of defense when you've got Rudy behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And the Jazz definitely do. Got, you know, I mean, the, I, I think he has the potential to be better than this because I think he'll be more mobile. But guys love playing with Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. That, I mean, that, is, that is his comparison. Yeah. That's the best NBA comparison in his past yeah. uh, of any of, or the NBA past. Numbers are really similar. Yeah. He's that type of player. He's more demonstrative even than, than Dikembe right. is, which could be beneficial. Uh, great humanitarian. Not, not the same humanitarian that Dikembe He's got was. time. He's just now getting that money. That's true. That's true. He uh, hasn't had any money to give out. Right, yeah, exactly. Paris has had their share of, of issues lately, but yeah. they don't need the humanitarian effort that Dikembe's uh, hometown did. Seems unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fair. Uh, the Celtics just beat the Wizards. That's a final 123-101. So that's a 3-2 lead for the Celtics. Has there been a, There's been one game decided by fewer than 10 points? I think so, yeah. And that was the overtime game? Right. And even then it was, I think... They won by nine. Right. Like, it was not a good <laughs> overtime either. This, yeah, well, I mean, even in the second round of the playoffs, right, you've got all the Jazz games yeah. were double-digit games. Yeah. Uh, these Rockets-Spurs games have not been close with Toronto the got, last night. Toronto got Jurassic Parked. Yeah. Yeah. Real bad. Real bad. Uh, it, it, was, it was ugly. I, this in fact, is, you might argue there's been one good playoff series, and it was Jazz Clippers. Right. That was the one really was good the playoff one. series so yeah. far. That's, that's very true. Uh, anyway, we've got two other quotes coming up next segment from Dante Exum and Trey Lyles. Uh, those guys are Trey liars. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear what he said. I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> we did have to wait like an hour for it yesterday, watching Supermarket Sweep. Yeah. So still got the episode queued up. If you want to finish it, I, I actually really do want to finish it. <laughs> I I was kind of like waiting. I was hoping Quinn took a while to come in so yeah. we could get the ham it. and then <laughs> get the diapers. Like you get the big items. Garden first. hoses. Garden hoses. Yeah, those underrated. Are big. Oh, I items. didn't even know those were. Oh, they're there. So that was the strategy. Got to get the coffee. All right, well, we will not watch Supermarket Sweep. We'll do our jobs next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, We've got two more quotes from yesterday's end-of-season media availability to get through um these guys were the downers because they didn't play and weren't as good as jazz fans hoped this year yeah. fair um let's start with Dante Axum because at least he had a decent game four good sure even good um first of all I think it's interesting he played more at the shooting guard position over the last two two months of the season 
uh, kind of because the Jazz did have so many point guards and, and needed some extra minutes at, at the shooting guard. So I, I kind of wanted to ask Dante whether he felt more comfortable at point guard or at the two guard, and let's hear what he said. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel um, more comfortable at the point guard position. Um, you know, I think uh, just being able to get in transition and play motion, um, you know, definitely in the last couple of weeks, that was, you know, what we turned to a lot, um, just, you know, running on balls and, um, you know, running in transition. Um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, a lot of my play style and just being able to use my speed and, and quickness in the open court. So, um, you know, hopefully I get to, you know, get the ball in my hands a bit more and showcase that. Look, I agree with that. I think Dante's best skill is him being fast and getting to the basket before everyone. Kind of, uh, So many of his baskets come from catching the defense off balance, whether it's right. kind of a look one way for a screen and then reject it and drive past and, and score at the rim. Or if like it's his just dunk in on transition. Play. Right, yeah. that's exactly what happened. That, exactly, right? Like, he surprised him by going middle, and the Warriors didn't have any rim protection, and he, he dunked it. You know, it was, we're happy to see Dante dry. Uh, maybe not to that extent, but um, uh, putting him at the two guard takes away a lot of that, right? Like, he's not a good shooter. I don't know that it has to. Okay. Um, I think right now his best position is the two. Yep. Uh, 100% on both ends of the floor. I think that the way to maximize potential is to be to be that at the one okay. um but i don't i don't think like and i don't i don't know i didn't think he like he was he didn't play as well as i hoped he would this year but i didn't think he was all that disappointing because i expected a slow year first year back from acl i know he had the year off before um in training and rehab and everything but i that first year whether you've had that year off or whether you're coming back nine months later or whatever uh it's really hard to get back to being confident both physically and mentally, on that knee. Yeah, I think that's fair. Dante Exum, more than anyone on this Jazz team, is hindered by the way the Jazz play. Yeah, which he I needs agree to be in that. transition, which is why he looks good against Golden State. Well, yeah, you, you want to run up and down the floor? Well, I'm the fastest guy on the floor. I mean, his combine skills, which start tomorrow in the NBA, his numbers were better than John Wall's. He got the fastest, I think, floor to floor or baseline to baseline with the ball in his hands, testing in NBA history. Like, that's kind of what you thought you were getting. And then the Jazz come out and play the slowest, place, slowest pace in the NBA. Well, that's going to hurt him. So where is he good? Well, what I like about Dante Exum, he doesn't hit the corner three yet. He needs to because he gets that shot a lot. Yeah, He needs to hit that corner three, and when he doesn't, he's actually good at pump faking, going to the baseline, which not a lot of guys like to go to the baseline because it's that extra defender, but because he's so fast, he can actually beat the baseline because right. you can't pinch him. He can turn that defender. And out. then he's really good with that little shovel pass, that drop pass, that dump pass in the paint, whether it's Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors. He's actually really good on the baseline, and not a lot of guys have that skill. Mm-hmm. He's good there. Well, how do you get him there? Well, you go line him up in the corner. Right. Well, and then you, you don't do that with your point guard. You probably do that with the shooting guard unless you're going to run the triangle. And the Jazz aren't going to run the triangle right. and put their point guard, have him bring the ball up and run over the corner really quick. That's not going to be their thing. Yeah. So I think put him at the shooting guard, run him in some horn sets, get him in the corner, and then allow him to either hit that three, which he needs to start doing. That's on him. That's not on anyone else. He needs to hit that three or attack the baseline where he's good. Yeah, and, and you know what we saw from teams that scouted him well is that they didn't really close out that all that hard on that corner three, right? right. And then he can't go baseline. And and the Jazz have enough ball handlers that they have guys like Gordon Hayward, Joe Ingles, who bring the ball up, even you know if even though they're not playing the point guard position. And Dante, even if he is playing point guard, will go stand in the corner. I, I look at him a lot, like not just because this guy's on the screen right now, but um, he reminds me a lot of a young Avery Bradley mm-hmm. in the sense that Avery Bradley was kind of a point guard when yeah. he came out and found his sweet spot in in the two guard position because. Uh, because he's so long, he's able to block shots. He's able to challenge just about anything. He's strong, uh, very quick. He learned how to be a shooter. 
I think if you're I think if you're going to make him an impact player in the rotation next year, you try to get him to replicate as much of you know two year ago Avery Bradley as possible. And that, I mean that's asking a lot because that's a good role player, but. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the mold for him right now. Yeah, I think if you were to get everything and you hit the jackpot with him, he's John Wall. But he's not John Wall. Right. So then I think you start saying, realistically, what can he be? And you say, can you defend the point guard on defense and then play the shooting guard on offense because you've got that great size? And then you can play a ton of different guys in the backcourt with them, whether it's a guy who's smaller than he is, a guy who's bigger than he is, whatever. You have that. You have the other player guard the weaker offensive player on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, And that's, that's the advantage that he should bring. But he's got to hit that corner three at 40%. Otherwise, you can't play him. And I, I think defensively, you pointed out he's better on twos. That I, I don't think that was the case his rookie year no. where he was very good at, at being quick and moving around screens. Uh, I, I, clearly, the ACL took, out, took away yep. some of that, some of that lateral movement. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see whether he gets it back in year two coming back from, from I the think ACL he will. Tear. I, Which, think, I, no, I just I think don't like... Do. We're still kind of in a mindset because I think we grew up, not just us, but just as a sports culture, we grew up with the ACL being such a devastating injury. Right. It's just not anymore. It's not. it's not good, but it's not. it doesn't rob you of athleticism long term and not even really that much short term. It's about a year and a half, and then you kind of get back into it. This is also his first year in his career, meaning since he's been started getting paid, even, and, and I say getting paid because he started getting paid, remember, after his high school year in high in uh, Australia because right. he hired Rob Palinka and Rob Palinka paid him to go play in the Lakers gym or whatever he right. did. <laughs> this is the first time after a competitive season, he will have a fully healthy summer to get yeah, better because big. he went and got hurt playing for Team Australia after right. his one healthy season he played for the Jazz, so we didn't get this full year. He, this is his leap. Where a lot of people look either after your rookie year or after your sophomore year, this is where his leap should come. It'll be exciting to see, and that's why I don't think the Jazz should give up on him unless there's an obvious trade and you're going to get a proven player. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, do you guys agree with him on, he said this one thing was the one thing he needed to add to his midrange. Can we play that quote, John? Uh, the, the second Dante Exum quote. Um, no, I, I think... You know, the biggest thing is the, the mid-range. Um, you know, it's something that uh, you know, I, I, I feel if I get that, you know, it can you know, open up my game a, a whole lot more. Um, you know, whether that's a floater um, when I get into the lane or, you know, just being able to pull up. Um, you know, I think that's going to be important for me. Um, you know, and just continue to develop the shot. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's just, yeah, that's big for me. You think the mid range is bigger for him than the corner three, or do you just go? Yeah, I do because time? I think, I think you're trying to turn him into a scoring weapon, mm-hmm. and, and especially with the ball in his hands. And I think if he adds any kind of hesitation to the defense in protecting the rim, then that's where that athleticism, that size, becomes overwhelming because you don't have guys just sitting at the rim; they're kind of sitting in the middle. And if he has a floater or a pull up jumper in that you know twelve, fourteen foot range, uh, and you make the guy take one more step towards you. That's one more step you have on him at the basket. He's If you're a corner three-point shooter, you're inherently a complimentary scorer mm-hmm. because you can't take the ball there. You know, no one dribbles right. down and takes a corner three. Right. That doesn't exist. <laughs> you're Bruce Bowen or whatever. You know, you're that type of guy. You'll see Kyrie do it occasionally, but it's not by design mostly uh, as a primary yeah. option. Uh, and then second, Shelvin Mack was getting minutes over Dante Exum because he can hit that floater. Right. So if he can do that, and like you said, Zach, yeah. if you can put the ball in his hands and get a good shot and he can hit that floater at a decent rate the way Tony Parker did early in his career, yeah. maybe that becomes his comp. Is super speedy. Tony Parker was not big, a great three-point shooter. Parker, right? yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, hitting floaters over Shaq when they were able to beat the right. Lakers. Like That's what you hope. He's yeah. a guy who can get into the paint and then doesn't need to actually take a 
bunch of wear and tear on his body because yeah. he probably doesn't have a body designed for that. But he gets that floater, he gets really, really good because he's also good at that shovel pass. We've already seen that. Right. So if he does that, he becomes a really dangerous player. Yep. Uh, Trey Lyles is the other guy, the the last guy. We like we said, we waited forty five minutes to an hour for him. I'm told actually Minimum. that was because his locker room, his interview, his exit interview took that long. Well, so it wasn't, I think we should have done a a co interview. Let us we sit in on this. We all should have been on it, and then we get to ask questions as well, or at least like a focus group where you right, sit exactly. behind <laughs> the windows and you can watch what's going on. Uh, so it, first of all, it's it's interesting on its own that that interview took so long, but I think there are real re- reasons why. I mean, I think Trey Lyles, right? right. Uh, He's the disappointment to to me if if we're going young guys who disappointed for the sure, Jazz. Absolutely. Like uh, he took a huge step back in my mind. Yeah, took a, took a big step back from his rookie season, and then you know I, I think it's fair to say he wasn't getting the playing time that he right. thought he was yeah, going to get exactly so, he because that. he took a step back. Um, let's go ahead and play this quote from Trey. It was a good learning experience for me. Um, you could kind of say that my rookie year was this year instead of last year as far as playing-wise and stuff like that. Um, it was good to have veterans that I could learn from and ask questions like Joe and, and Boris, guys that went through the same thing that I went through this year. And, uh, you know, they helped me out a lot. Um, Gordon, Joe, um, Ingles, um, George, and all those guys, you know, they kept me positive and stuff like that. So they made it a lot easier. And... Um, I, I just continue to work and, and do those things in the, in the gym to, you know, kind of stay ready, I guess you could say. First of all, Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw never went through this in their careers. Um, Joe, a little bit in terms of not getting the role he thought he was going to get. Okay. I, I can see that. I mean, he, played for a couple he started teams in his second really year, right? Early. He started in his second year, but he was a guy, I think, who always assumed, I'm going to have the ball in my hands, and that okay. wasn't necessarily the case. So, I, like, yeah, he played, but in terms of – the role he thought he was going to have, I can I can see that. Okay. And he's faced a ton of adversity for a guy who's a Hall of Famer, right? Or a likely Hall of Famer. Joe Joe Johnson has faced a ton of weird things early in his career, whether it was starting in Boston, getting traded getting to traded. Phoenix, being the one guy of that super team that they said we just don't want you, right? Not don't want you, but, but you're the you're least of those paying, guys. Right. And then he had to go earn it himself. And yeah, yeah. Um, what what do we think happened to Trey Lyles this year? I've got a theory. I just don't think he worked very hard in the offseason. I think he came in, he was better than anyone expected, and he believed it. And then he Maybe. didn't realize that, hey, team's game plan for you, and they know how to take away everything you do. Yeah, I think I think there was a, I think someone got a scouting report on it. Like, the league yes. had a scouting report on him, and I just don't think he knew how to adjust, or he didn't right. think to adjust, or whatever it was. I think he just thought, oh, well, I built during my rookie year, you know, this is what I was able to do. I'll just do that next time. Exactly. And, and not maybe realizing the, the kind of chess game of it all. Where if I could add one extra skill this offseason yeah. or one more thing that would, I know what the scouting, because there's no way in the exit interview last year, the Jazz didn't say, here's the, here's the scouting report on you, right. and this is what you're going to face next year. Yeah. So you need to be able to hit 15 footers, or it, you need to be able to do whatever, back maybe to the back, whatever. The, maybe this is the best for his long term that it was so hard in his second year, and that nothing went maybe. the way he right. thought it was, because maybe that, that kind of ignites that, oh, well, now I know what I need to do. I wonder also, you know, we, we talked so much about his summer league experience last year where he was putting up 30 points on right. 30 shots and, you know, and, yep. and kind of showing off all the different things he can do offensively. But that's not who he was going to be for right. the big full okay. team, right? Like he needed to be a role player who knocked down shots and played good defense, and he did neither. And that was weird to me because yeah. I remember watching him up at the Huntsman Center and he brought the ball up the floor every single time against the 76ers in the summer league last year. And I asked Quinn Snyder, I think at media day, is that going to be how he plays? And they kind of hinted that he might, and we never saw it. Right. We never saw him bring the ball up the floor, at least unless it was a, a rebound and go. 
Right. You know, he there was he never caught the ball on an inbound pass. See, I I think he like yeah, he never caught the ball on an inbound pass, but I think honestly he's not that fast. Like I I don't think that he is a Draymond Green type of player. No. I think he does some nice things and I think he's a real to... slow first step. Yeah. Uh and and so I I I don't think that like he is that explosive and is really that dangerous on the fast break like I think he thought he may be. His uh, value is hit the 3. Right. And if it's not there, you have to close out on him because last year he shot 38% from the three-point line. And if you're a power forward and you shoot that well, you better close out on that guy because mm-hmm. he's going to get a ton of space just by the fact that he's a big man who shoots a three. And then he's good enough putting the ball on the floor that he doesn't need a f- quick first step. It's that whoever's closing out on him has had to jump really high to try and block his shot or affect his shot. Right. And then they're four feet behind him by the time he's putting the ball on the floor. And that's a great spot to be in because then the defense is rotating. Yeah. It's just he wasn't shooting the three well. He, he more than anyone just needed to get out of the season. He just yeah, his head was just gone. Needs to get to the offseason so you can he work, you drowning. can refresh. Yeah, exactly. he needed to get out of the season so badly. Yeah, he. I mean, and, and just mentally, I think over the last two months of the season, it was it was rough from making the bad bad defensive plays, which I think he's done most of his career. Right. But also just like some really weird and selfish plays where I think he's trying to get himself going, but ends up taking some bad shots. Yeah, you end up result. pressing cuz you don't really you don't really know how to play NBA basketball, right? Yeah. Like you're a second year guy who's not playing that much. Like that's a tough thing. I mean, it's yeah. a hard league, right? Like, and you're playing in, in garbage minutes with yeah. guys you think are worse than you. Right, exactly. And yeah. might be, might be worse than you are. Right, but you know, you haven't shown it yet. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he approaches this offseason and if he puts in that work that he he may not have put in this summer. If he comes back, though, for who he was as a rookie, when he shot uh, 44% from the floor, 38% from the three-point line, the Jazz could use that guy all year long. Even though his numbers are almost identical, six points per game, three rebounds per game, about an assist a game, he's the exact same guy. Instead, it took, yeah, two more shots to get there. I mean, realistically, he should have been a perfect guy to start against the Warriors, right? Like, if if he was the guy, he'd be starting instead of Boris Dio. That's asking a lot of a second-year guy, though. Sure. Against the Warriors, I mean that's sure. I mean he, it, it would have it wouldn't have gone well, but I'm I don't think it went well for Boris. But the, even at his peak as a rookie, he's not close to being capable of doing that against of doing anything against the Warriors. Okay, yeah. To understand though, what a big loss this was for the Jazz. If he's great this year, he's either an awesome piece to team with two first round draft picks to move up or get a superstar back, or not a superstar, but a, a very high level player. Or you're just fine giving away Derek Favors for whatever you can because you've got Trey Lyles who's just right. chomping at the bit to take that spot. Right. And now you don't know that. And now you, you can't even count on him as your, your second power forward or yep. really even your fourth big. Right. I think maybe too much to expect from Trey Lyles. All right. Uh, we got to go ahead and take our last break of the show. Coming up next segment, uh, I don't even know what we're talking Let's about. Let's look around the NBA. Supermarket Sweep. Series. And Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, we'll just play the whole <laughs> the whole rest of the show is Supermarket Sweep. That's not true. We'll talk about basketball next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <clears throat> Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. That's Gordon Hayward's famous rap. Uh, did the Jazz play this for him? This uh, is Gordon. I, I, okay, I just I'm anti cringe worthy, and like I can watch The Office. That's sure. about as cringe worthy worthy as I get. Back in a playoff groove? No, I can't watch it. Uh, it just isn't. It's it hurts internally. Are we allowed to be honest about that? Sure. Why That's not? the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty bad too. This is real bad. Yeah. yeah. This is. This is uncomfortable. Oh, for sure. This is just a young guy, though, hoping to like find some kind yeah. of eight mile it's just situation. Like makes me, right? It makes my body feel like it's turning inside out. I yeah. just hate it so much. 
Max contract player, Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Give him $200 million. Not a max contract rapper. No. Uh, to be fair, neither is Damian Lillard, and people talk about him like he is. He's not. He's right. an MLE rapper? I don't care that rapper? you... Like, people were... Uh, thought it was unbelievable he wrote a rap song about Ogden, and I thought, like, stop rapping about Ogden. Again, we've already established <laughs> that Weber State sucks, <laughs> Ogden sucks. Like, don't write about those as rap songs. So, you're from Oakland. We're, we're, about about Oakland. A, we're about to get he another wrote about furious Oakland. text message. He, from... he wrote about Oakland. He can write about Ogden, too. Nope. Nope. Can, not O-Town, whatever you want to call you it. Have. It's Ogden. They have a, the the main it, economy like, there is a dog food factory. What if it was like, I'm in the lion's Ogden? That, I, I is mean, that not, is no. that, I don't <laughs> no. know. I think there's something there. No. This is Utah. People loving that, like that one guy from Modern Family lives here, and they're just like, "Oh my goodness!" He owns Bar it's a X or whatever it person. is, like beer bar. Like, well, yeah, Walls, it's, I think <laughs> it's Utah. Like, it's a huge mass of land. You're right. going to get notable people who cross the path at some point. Yeah, like C-list celebrities. Is that fair? Is Damian Lillard and Ty Burrell C-list? Ty Burrell. Ty so Burrell. The, the right. fact that you don't well, know his name, yes, makes him a C-lister. Yeah, but he's way more famous than Damian Lillard. Yeah. On on a Global scale, yeah. Okay. Robert Redford's biggest Utah. Oh, Utah celeb. That's I mean, a good, that's a good get. I mean, there's a bunch of people who live in Park City too. Yeah, that lady from Twenty Seven Dresses that was like famous. Catherine for Heigl? ten minutes. Yeah, because she's horrible too. Apparently, an awful person. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If you're listening though, Catherine, <laughs> yeah. call in. Yeah, we yeah, got about I mean, a minute to have you. <laughs> we have one minute left in the show. Wilford Brimley. Lives oh, in Utah. he's from Utah. Uh, My dog used to look like him. Apparently. Uh, I heard he lives here. I heard he has a ranch here, and it's notorious that if you go on there, he will shoot you with buckshot. Like, I love he that. Shoots I love a crazy guy shooting yeah. people on land. And, and the I mean, movie Cocoon. He has <laughs> just di- great diabetes. You, yeah. you, diabetes. Right. Yeah. You can't. You can't like catch up with him. <laughs> no. Uh, so we have the Celtics have a three-two lead. Sure. We've got the Spurs have a three-two lead. Yeah. And uh, the other two series are finished. Are uh, do the Spurs and Celtics win both of the rest of these? In a weekend of Game 7s. Yeah, we both get Game 7, which yeah. I'm I'm up for. And I'm hopefully in. they're good because the rest of these games, with the exception <laughs> of one or two, have been horrible. Even last night's game was close, but pretty bad. Yeah. So far, Jazz Clippers has been the best series of this playoffs. Yeah. And, if, you know, and the Jazz emerged victorious. Yeah. Fair point. All right. That's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check us out on iTunes Stitcher as a podcast. And check us out on SaltCityHoops.com for Jazz coverage. Andy Larson, Ben Henderson, Zach Harper signing out.